0: Show the greatest talk show in the greatest commonwealth or state in the greatest country in the world or whatever it is that scott and richard say to start this show my name is steve rossi you're probably wondering who i am i will tell you in a minute i just want to say that i'm grateful to be here the high honor and distinct privilege to sit in for the great and i truly mean great lee brothers scott and richard i got an interesting stories as, as to how i met them and how this whole substitute thing has come about that scott wanted me to uh convey to everyone and um and before I go any further, get well, Richard wishes to Richard. Um, it's his fault that I'm probably here because if he was well, he'd be here. But um, what happened was um, Scott, uh, Wednesday afternoon, I was innocently going to my mailbox. I unexpectedly got a check, which was nice. Not a big one, but a check, none the same. And I was going to the bank when the phone rang and um, I looked at it and it was Scott Lee. And I, you know, every was, he was like the 15th call I had gotten that I assumed and all turned out to be wanting to talk about the election. And I'm always humbled. I don't know why people want my opinion about anything, but they do. And so Scott called and he asked me, you know, Hey, what'd you think about the election? And I told him what I thought and he goes, that's what I think. You know, it is amazing how much we think alike. And I said, well, you know, we're, we're like-minded guys. And he said, he said, um, well, I need you to do me a favor. I said, sure. And he goes, I need you to substitute me on the, for me on the show on Friday. I said, you're kidding me. He goes, no, no, I'm not kidding. I said, Sure. And he goes, great. And I said, um, so Richard will be there. And he goes, no, no, Richard's not going to be there. He's, he's not feeling well. And I said, oh, well, who's going to be the uh, other host? And he said, there is no other host. You're going to do it by yourself. And I said, no way. Scott, I've never done this before. And by the way, audience, you'll have to be a little bit patient with me. I've never hosted a radio show before in my life. This is certainly something new. And he said, no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I said, Scott, no way. I cannot do this by myself. I cannot just talk for two hours. And he said, you're going to do fine. He goes, I'll help you. I'll coach you. And sure enough, we had three or four phone calls over the last couple of days. And I'm here for better or for worse. And so, again, my name is Steve Rossi. And um, the reason I think Scott wanted me here is I have um, been a state – well, I'm a, I'm a public relations and government relations consultant and a freelance writer. And I have for the last – I've lost track of the year. So I'll just say since 2006, I have been a state government and local government, well, even some federal government lobby, lobbyist. And so I know everyone down at the General Assembly very well. Um, less so after Tuesday, but I do know a lot of people down there and, um, he, I guess thought I would be someone who would have an idea of what to talk about, um, a couple of days after this uh, momentous election that we had. And, um, so anyway, I thought I would just get into a, a story about how I met the Lee brothers because Scott thinks it's entertaining. And, and by the way, I can't do this by myself. Um, I can't carry the ball. I'm going to, so I've hired some people to do some blocking and tackling for me. We have some great guests lined up, and I hope you stick around for the two hours because we have a special guest. I won't t- tell you who. We have a special guest um, around four thirty-five. Then we're gonna have um, a guy by the name of Peter Foster. We're gonna have some fresh and different voices. I hope um, Peter Foster is a great guy. He's a behind-the-scenes guy. He's very low-key. He's very humble. He's a dynamic campaign manager, campaign consultant. If we could clone Peter, like to 2000 Peter Foster's, Republicans would win more elections. Um, with all the bad news, there was a real shining light in Chesterfield, um, Tuesday, and that was Stacey Davenport totally annihilating her progressive opponent for Commonwealth's attorney. He was the incumbent, and when everyone else is losing, she's winning. And everyone keeps saying Chesterfield and all the surrounding suburbs are out of play for Republicans now. Well, she won. She won big. And Peter's going to give us some insights as to why um, um, that happened and why, how it can be replicated. We also have um, Chris Horner. Now, some of y'all might have will recognize Chris Horner. He goes on the, um, the cable news shows and he battles and pretty much debunks all the climate alarmists, um, climate change alarm, alarmists, alarmists with facts, which is new to them. But uh, he does a great job with that. And Chris is um, – with a public policy law firm now, and he is going to tell us about some things that um, we did in the last General Assembly and some insights there. And then we're going to wrap up with a guy by the name of Matt Batzell, who's with American Majorities, the executive director. And American Majority is a great organization. They train candidates and they train citizen activists as to how to lobby. And we are in a unique situation now, at least first times in 26 years, where we have, um, for most of this audience, I would assume, the... Opposite party has total control of everything. Uh, the executive branch, all three offices in the executive branch, and then the House and the Senate. And a lot of people are gonna, wondering what can be done. Is there any, any way we can affect policy over the next two years or beyond? And so Matt is gonna give us some insights on that. So that's all coming up, and, um, I hope you guys will be patient with me, and, um, I know we'll be coming up on a break pretty soon. And so um, I want to just get a couple of announcements out of the way. Change course just for a second. There's a special event coming up called trunk or treat. It's for kids of all abilities. It's um, it, uh, at Dylan's do over. Is that, is that right? Uh, Saturday, November 9th uh, from one to two thirty. This is an accessible, all inclusive event. This is for um, all of the children that were sick or have um, had other obstacles on Halloween and need a do-over, so hope you come and uh, join the the folks out there. Um, it's at Kara Therapy, forty five hundred eight Market Square Lane in Midlothian, and um, they'll be collecting funds for Better Together. And um, wear your costume? Decorate, uh, decorate your decorate your trunk. Bring toys, non-food treats, and candy will be available. Uh, will be available or people bring those bring 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 <laughs> people will bring uh please bring some toys and um non-food treats or candy and um it'll be a good time and we'll try to remind you about that later on in the show so please make a note of that and um so how i met scott and richard i might have to start this and then continue it but this is an interesting story way back when i think in 2005 I was driving along at night, and and there was just... Back then, it was just a desert on the radio in the Richmond area, and there was nothing good local after that. It was all syndicated. And by chance, I stumbled into this uh, show where two guys were talking incredible sense, and they were doing it in a very entertaining way, and I couldn't believe it. There was a nighttime, locally-oriented uh, conservative talk radio, and it was terrific. I really enjoyed it. And I would listen occasionally, and, and never called in or anything, but I really enjoyed the show, and I would listen. And what happened was... um Later that spring, several months later, you all remember the Mel Gibson movie, The Passion of the Christ, which meant a whole lot to me. And I had seen it about two weeks prior to this one show. And I was listening in and the Sky and Scott and Richard hadn't seen it yet either. And they were asking people for feedback whether they should go see it. And, you know, it made it was some supposedly a controversial movie for some reason. I'm not sure. But some guy called in and he was lying about everything. He was saying this scene happened when it didn't or some other scene didn't happen when it did. And he was just trashing the movie. So I called in, I said, Hey, look, that guy hasn't seen the movie. This happened, this happened, this didn't happen, et cetera, et cetera. And we struck up a great conversation on the air and we had a fun time and they were at some festival just a couple weeks later. They had a booth or a table and I went up to him, introduced myself as the guy who called in about the movie and we hit it off. And, um, uh, so we, we stayed in touch. And as it turned out, I started booking guests for them, um, here and there, um, Working at the General Assembly, I was get I got legislators to come on the show for them, and we had a um, we would get guys coming on the show talking about bills that needed to be talked about, or some bills that weren't getting the publicity that needed to be discussed. So we had a good good um, relationship there, where I booked a lot of guests for them and stayed in touch with them. And so here I am. I guess I shouldn't have. If I knew that that I'd be hosting the show, I wouldn't have done that because now they've kind of trapped me and I'm I'm involved here today. But anyway. Um, the phone number here is, as you all probably know better than me, 804-454-1366, and we hope you call in and um, pose some questions, and um, I'll have some stories to tell you about some crazy things that happened down at the General Assembly, what to expect. Uh, we don't want to reanalyze the election too much. It's already old news, And uh, but we'll look forward to what's coming up and who some of the players are. So we're going to hit a break, and we'll be back after the break, and stay tuned. The Lee Brothers on w, um, WNTW, The Answer.
1: The Lee Brothers proclaiming Liberty over Tyranny on AM 820 WNTW.
0: My
2: daddy served in the army. We lost his right eye, but he blew a flag out in our yard. Till the day that he died, he wanted my mother. My brother, my sister and me to grow up
3: and live happy in the land of the free.
4: Now this nation that I love is falling under attack. A mighty sucker. Uh, welcome back. Came in
0: You are listening to ninety-two point seven FM and eight twenty AM. This is not, most definitely not, your father's talk station. And you are listening to the Lee Brothers with um. Not a brother at all, but, uh, well, actually, my name is Steve Rossi, and I'm an honorary Lee brother, and I, I left that out when I was talking about uh, how I met Scott and Richard way back when, in the early 2000s, after I became a regular caller to their uh, uh, original show. I became an honorary Lee brother. Now, coming to the station here, and I see they got bumper stickers. I am an honorary Lee brother. Oh, I never, yeah! I, I never <laughs> got a sticker. <laughs> I never got a sticker, but now I got two. I'm taking two with me. So, um, anyway... You learn a little bit about me, um, and I just want to, again, I don't want to make this like a tribute already to um, Scott and Richard because, you know, they're alive and well. I, but I just want to mention one thing. I saw Scott, you know, this is after we had been friends, so I, I went, I, he, I knew he was speaking at a um, at the Henrico County breakfast. This was years ago, and I don't live in Henrico, but I want to hear him speak. And, you know, Scott and Richard are great communicators for one, several reasons, but one in particular— they take what you're thinking or not even what you're thinking, but what you instinctively know or feel that might be in your gut, your soul, wherever, but it doesn't percolate up through your vocal cords and out your mouth. You don't really articulate it. It's just something you kind of know. And they have a way of breaking it down and speaking so eloquently and yet commonsensically about it. And I don't forget, you know, when I was talking to Scott, he forgot about this and, and um, he thanked me for reminding him. He made this speech and he was talking about how we classify people. You're on the right, you're on the left. You're in the middle, all this sort of stuff. Truly, though, and and unfortunately, conservatives have let the left dominate the language, the cultural language, the political language. And what has happened is we conservatives have been, unfortunately, demonized and we're pushed out way out on the right. We're these extremist, extreme right wingers. And I will never forget what Scott said that day. He said, I'm not a conservative. I'm not on the right. I'm certainly not on the left. I'm in the middle and then he said but don't get me wrong i'm not a so-called moderate i'm in the middle because i haven't changed from where our founders started us off at i'm for the constitutional principles i'm for exactly what they started and so look at who's left or who's moved it hasn't been so-called conservatives conservatives are tr- actually in the middle we believe in the founding principles it's the other side that has moved so far to the left and um so really, when you think about conservatives and liberals, it's really the true moderates, the true middle of the road people or people who believe in constitutional principles. We haven't changed anything. We haven't changed our beliefs. So that's interesting. And I think we're going to get into that with our special guest um, at 435 who um, um, shares that opinion. And um, so that's uh, one thing. If you have any thoughts on that, please give us a call at uh, 804-454-1366. Again, I'm Steve Rossi. I'm sitting in for Scott and Richard. And um, privileged to be here. Um, I do want to mention, I mentioned earlier that, um, you know, on my business card, it kind of says it in real fluffy language, euphemistically, public and government relations consultant. Of the government relations part is a dirty word. It's, the real word is lobbyist. That's a, that's, that's a dirty word to a lot of people. But let me, let me absolve myself. I am not one of these lobbyists that lobbies for special interests and the big corporate bucks. If I was making the big corporate bucks, I probably wouldn't be you know, um, subbing in for <laughs> Scott Richard. I would probably be out getting my weekend started already, but, um, um, I lobby for nonprofits who are principal, who are, um, ordained to a certain principle or philosophy and they, um, traditional family values, limited government, property rights, transparency in government, those sorts of things. And so I think I have a pretty good insight and, you know, lobbying is like, you know, being an, uh, an attorney, everyone is entitled to a defense and everyone's entitled to get their message in front of their government. And it, this goes back to the colonial days. I mean, um, Ben Franklin was a lobbyist. I mean, the colony sent him to England to lobby on behalf, or Pennsylvania did send him on behalf of the Pennsylvania government to um, England. Um, this goes, it's a tradition. And um, so there's nothing wrong with it. People deserve to have their um, voices heard. And um, so if, uh, You ever think something, you know, I mean, of course, there's always bad apples that give any profession a bad name, but um, lobbying is not a bad thing and it's very fulfilling. And I'll tell you, the General Assembly, it's so much different than Congress. If you're wondering what it's like, the General Assembly is unlike anything anyone has ever known. And I think I need to talk about this a little bit because, you know, the voting drops off from the presidential campaign to the congressional elections, the gubernatorial elections, because we have one every year in Virginia. And then the the election we just had for the General Assembly and because people don't know what they do and I kind of wish I had this opportunity a couple of weeks ago, the general assembly in Virginia is very important because Virginia is what they call a Dillon rule state. And what localities can do is based on what the state government allows them to do. And, um, so there's a lot of rules and regulations and the, um, state government allows the counties and the, in the cities and towns, certain, um, latitude into doing various things. So it's very important to know what your state legislature is doing. And we have, um, two different sessions we have the long session in even years and the short session in odd years and i compare them if anyone's a track and field enthusiast you know what the 400 meters is like and you know what the 800 meters is like they're both all-out sprints and the 400 meters is is grueling and then the 800 meters is two 400 meter sprints the 800 meters is the is the um uh long session the 60 day session and the and the 45 day session is the um is the uh is the 400 meters. And they're exhausting. And everything moves so quickly. That's why there's no filibuster allowed in, in the General Assembly. And I'll get into more of that on the other side of the break. We're going to take a short break. And we are 92.7 at 8:20 a.m., not your father's talk station. This is WNTW, The Answer. And this is Steve Rossi subbing for the Lee Brothers.
1: Madison and George Washington would be so proud. The Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW.
0: This is Steve Rossi. I'm subbing for the Lee brothers. You are listening to 92.7 FM and 820 AM. Certainly not your father's talk station, WNTW the answer and welcome to uh, your Friday afternoon, your evening drive and hope you're enjoying the show. And I am ably assisted is a very much a rookie at this with Mark, the producer and bill, the big boss. And, uh, they have been very gracious with their, uh, coaching and their time and um, helping this rookie. And if you want to help this rookie, feel free to call in. Our number is 804-454-1366. I was just telling you about the general assembly real quick and why it's so important. And it's, it's really incredible down there and why lobbyists shouldn't get such a bad name. It is really hard work. And as much as we oppose each other, we're really colleagues and we all get along and we um, talk together. We will give each other, you know, advice, even if we're often on the other side of an issue or something. And Um, the pace is incredible. They get 3000 bills a year and they have to go through them. Now, not every legislator sees all 3000. They dispense with them through subcommittees and committees, and then they get winnowed down and then they get floor votes. And if they, they pass one house, they go to the other chamber and, uh, it is a whirlwind, and then then the other chamber can make amendments because it goes through their committee process, subcommittee, committee, then full committee, and then by the time it gets to any one of those processes, it can be amended yet again, and um, then it goes back to the other chamber and it can go to conference committee. And you're always scrambling, you're always on the move. It's exhilarating. You really don't even have time to um, to think. You're just acting on instincts. And the interesting thing is, um, and we're going to talk about this too when we um, talk to Matt Batzel um, about lobbying. You really have to learn your legislator or all legislators and make notes about them. There's a lot of talk about dossiers over the last couple of years in the news, but you make your own mental dossiers on on the legislators and you remember things about them. And I got a really cute story um, we'll get to at some point in the show about how I remembered one legislator's, um, shall we say, um, um, uh, what's the word when you're, uh, you're paranoia. And I used that to great effect on him later on to get a bill unanimously passed through both chambers that had died in a subcommittee didn't even get a motion to pass the year before so anyway we are ready to go to another break again you're listening to 92.7 at 8:20 a.m not your father's talk station this is steve rossi subbing for the lee brothers and we'll see you on the other side of the break hold on one second i can't hear myself
1: Lee, the trial lawyers of Political Talk Radio, the Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW.
0: This is 92.7 FM And 820 AM Not your father's talk station WNTW um, The answer And you can reach us at 804-454-1366 This is Steve Rossi subbing for Scott and Richard Lee, the Lee brothers One man trying to do two men's job It's a little unfair they put me in this position But I'm dealing with it anyway Um, Hope you're enjoying my little spiel On what lobbying and what the General Assembly is all about Um I've got a story. I think I'm going to hold off, though. I promise. Um, Okay. Yeah, I'm going to hold off on it because we do have, I mentioned we had four guests today. And uh, we have one, I told you three of them. I left out the, the fourth. He's actually the first guest. And it's a surprise special guest. And I'll give you two guesses as to who it is. And they both don't count. It is none other than Scott Lee. Scott, how you doing, buddy? Steve? Yes, sir.
4: You can hear me. I'm glad. Hey, listen. Uh, let me first say uh, I appreciate you. You're doing a phenomenal job and a, and a phenomenal human being, if I must add. And uh, I you're, you just appreciate you uh, you doing this. Thanks, man. Why Richard and I are gone.
0: Well, um I appreciate it and I uh, thanks for the opportunity. It truly is a privilege and an honor. And um I've already talked about you. Most of it was good. And uh, I, hope, I don't <laughs> know if you heard it, but but you know it, it might sound like it's easy to have the you know you on as a guest because you're here anyway, but. You know, when you called me the other day, you know, we were talking and, you know, even though we'd exchanged some emails and say it in such that we really hadn't talked verbally in, in, in a couple of years, probably. And it's amazing that we're still in sync. And we had the same ish, same ideas as to why the conservative side, um didn't do as well in this past election. And I actually already mentioned the thing about your philosophy, your your theory on conservatives really aren't conservatives. They're the ones in the middle, but we can talk about that too. But if you would, you know, a lot of people after elections, they give the, um, the top line excuses or the top line reasons. as why a certain side won or lost. And it's, um, this, that, or the other thing. And we can discuss the top line issues, but when we, when we talked the other day, we both had the same idea as to why Republicans lost, and it was an underlying issue. And I want you to go ahead and um, break that ground for the audience right now.
4: I just don't remember what it was.
0: <laughs> uh, well, no, we no, talked kidding. about. Okay, you had me going yeah, there. No, don't do that yeah, to a no. rookie. Don't do that to. Yeah, that's no, not very
4: that's... friendly. Exactly. So, so first of all, let me uh, just say I'm I'm i need to stop being surprised and shocked at elections. You know, think about the last I don't know five that we've gone through in Virginia. And every single time it's depressing, you, you, and, and if you're a constitutional conservative or at least a limited government one you, you, and a thinker, then somebody has, has logical thought process at all, then um, uh, you, you can't help but, but be frustrated. But i got to stop being shocked, Steve. I've got to stop figuring out you know, why I'm so upset when I know that we have an inherent problem, and that is we just have an electorate that is, and I, I hate to say it, just, just ignorant, and i i don 't mean it as an insult, I just simply mean they're they 're not thinking about anything but how to how to vote something that uh, that the politician promises and it becomes it becomes very frustrating
0: right and I think we had both talked about it goes so much deeper than um, hey, they should have campaigned on this issue or that issue and, and it 's really this underlying incrementalism that the left has been doing for decades, and a lot of people have been crying in the wilderness about this and people haven't listened but when you dumb down the electorate and you look at the left how they've infiltrated everything whether it's most importantly in my opinion the schools both at the elementary and middle and high school and junior high school level as well as through the colleges and then the workplaces with the unions and then the media and entertainment media the news media and you know you just go down the list how they have such an influence in so many aspects of our lives and it's really reflective because the left lives their politics you know most conservatives we don't live our politics i mean we live as far as you know we we live the example but it doesn't all didn't consume us you know we have other things to do in our lives we want to enjoy sports you can't even go to a sports game now without some sort of political protest going on nfl they're kneeling during the anthem go to soccer games they're waving the so-called gay rainbow banner i don't know what that has to do with soccer it's weird but they and full disclosure to everyone i'm a big soccer fan if if I can't fill the rest of the show after Scott gets off, I'm just going to turn it into a soccer <laughs> show. That way I know I can fill the time. But, um, and so they have, they've, as you alluded to, they've um, infiltrated every, every aspect of lives. And then people now have become ignorant to what the country was founded on. And even if they have a clue, they've been trained to reject it as some sort mm-hmm. of, you know, bigoted right. racist old white men who were doing this when there are, People dying in other countries who want to emulate our Constitution. Right.
4: Exactly. Well, let's, let's take it a step further. This is what happened. This is what happened during the election process this year. You, 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 we begin to, to hear people say, well, no one should lose a job. No one should be without health care insurance. No one should have to suffer of any kind. And we begin to believe in a utopia that isn't even real. It's fake. Yet a politician can stand in front of every voter and say, don't you think it's not fair that someone can lose a job for whatever reason it might be, whether you're a woman or you don't, or whatever it might be. In the old days, maybe you and I growing up, Steve, our grandparents and parents used to say it's called life.
0: Mm-hmm. These exactly. things
4: Happen. Right. And now we're told that that that's not the way it has to be. If I vote Democrat and vote for the left and these socialist ideas or any idea that would suggest that there is such thing as a fake utopia, then then that's a problem. But that's where we are today. So so when you go to to the uh, to the issues, they're not issue oriented. They're emotional oriented and no one should be picked on. No one should lose their job. No one should lose health care. No one, you deserve it better, don't you? And and therefore we are told that if only the right people were in charge in Richmond, then I wouldn't lose my job, or at least not get health care paid for by my neighbor. And this is what we're fighting against. How how can you possibly win when you're told that it is a utopia that's available to you? And, you, and here and here are we. Well, I guess we're the the old fuddy-duddy conservative who believes that, you know what? Life's hard. Right. We tell our kids, life's hard. It's not going to get better. I'm not going to ask my neighbor to pay for my college. I'm not going to ask my neighbor to pay for my health care. That's not the role of government. It's not what I believe in. And here, Yet- here,
0: here's the thing, Scott. If people truly want a dynamic country, a dynamic community, dynamic lifestyle, they wouldn't want that. If they truly believe what they say they think they're getting by going that way, you know, they would they would be for a limited government because if they want a future you know you're pointing out some good life lessons that that people all have to go through and endure certain things but it's not all like that either there's a lot of positives there's a lot of good glorious sides of life too and you don't get those when the government is in every aspect of your life yeah you might have some things taken care of whatever but you're never really going to get far in life if you just rely on the government to do everything for you if you want to um, live a dynamic, fun, fulfilled life. The only way to do it is for the government to stay out of your life and right. do um, what you want to do. Get the job you want. Get the education you want. Um, and um, and pursue the, your dreams. But you can't do that when the government is um, is bearing down on you. If we could change the subject just briefly, I do want to go to um, some of those top line issues though, and some of them kind of bleed over to the, the more the broader things that we were talking about. I'm hearing a lot about, I even heard on one of the, on the most popular talk, I won't mention the name, but you know, it's the, the guy I'm talking about that he had a sub that in as well. So I guess I'm in good company today, but um, they were, he, uh they were talking about Virginia on, you know, and they said that um, they had a guest on who was talking about um, all these things that the Republicans didn't do. And we don't have enough time, not just in this segment, but in the entire show to document the incompetence of the Republican party of Virginia, but just to lay it bare They were handed three gifts back in February. The gifts were Ralph Northam, Justin Fairfax, and Mark Herring. And (laughs) did you see one ad, anything about that? This thing actually, the conservatives finally got a break in the national media. It was all over the news in February. And the Republicans didn't do one darn thing about it. They didn't campaign. There was no statewide messaging about it. Nothing. All right. And here's one other thing, and you can comment on both. That's one point. The second point that they didn't do. Um, was, well, that they did do, actually. They wanted to be loved by everyone. You know, I'm down there. I've been telling the audience about how I I lobbied down there since 06. And I see how the Republicans just do not have a game plan. Even the Democrats, when they were the minority in the House with only like 35 seats, they had a game plan. They were patient. They had incrementalism. They knew they would get there one day. The Republicans just seem to throw things together at the last minute and hope something sticks. They don't have any strategy. Legislatively, their agenda is all over the place. And then when push comes to shove, they back down and they want to be loved. Best example, Medicaid expansion. You know, when they did that a couple of years ago. And you look at, um, you know, should I mention names? You, you guys call people out, right? Um, yep. I love yeah. him to death. I love him to, you know, he's a, he goes to my church. I'm a friend of his. But Glenn Sturtevant, dude, you could have predicted he was going to get killed 2 years ago he campaigned as a conservative he beat Dan Gecker it was a great win it gave the republicans the majority in the senate but 2 years into his term he starts flipping he got the he got the consultants in his ear saying oh the district's changing the district's changing you have to be good on on orientation sexual orientation it, it's it's just the fields changing and then you've got to be good on um you got to flip you voted for the ERA the last 3 years yeah. You got to sponsor not only before you have to sponsor it and carry the ball, and you have to trash your fellow conservatives who are against it. Where did, right. that, where did that get you? Where did that get yeah. you? So well, anyway, we're
4: talking about we're talking about bold uh, colors that are ra- that 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 make the difference, and people who can articulate them and fight for them and defend them. Right. And this is what the Lee brothers do. This is right. what we try to do. Right. You know, and it's almost like a Republican politician lost the passion for the things that made them a conservative Republican, you would think. If they listen to the Lee brothers or, or or a lot of these other shows, they would see now these are passionate, articulating principles that should resonate and the party should pick up on, you, uh, on use them. Right. But instead we cower. We're afraid to discuss them. We're afraid to take a stand. And Can- I think, I think the party looks for that.
0: Scott, You know better than anyone. We're up against the break. Can you hold on? There's just one more thing. Hold on through the break. I want to run something else by you. So we're going to head out. We'll be right back. This is Steve Rossi subbing for Scott and Richard Lee, except Scott's on the phone right now. You're listening to 92.7 FM, 820 AM, not your father's talk station. And we'll be right back after this break.
1: Richmond's conservative compass. The Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW.
2: Here's what I Welcome back here's to 92.7 FM,
0: 820 AM, Not Your Father's Talk born, Station. This is WNCW, the Lee Brothers with Steve Rossi, subbing for Scott and Richard Lee. And we have Scott on the phone, actually, and we're going to wrap this up real quick. As you know, the, this business better than anyone, Scott. We got another um, transition coming to another guest. But I just wanted to wrap some, uh, throw this at you and see what you think about it. The ironic thing is about Republicans being afraid of their own positions in their own platform is the Democrats, as extreme as they are, they're not afraid. Hey, yeah, we're for illegal immigration. Yes, we are for sanctuary cities. Yes, we are going to raise your taxes. Yes, we are going to take your guns away. And it doesn't seem to hurt them. And yet Republicans are afraid to say what they're for. They want to Me Too so many things. There was this House candidate out in Henrico who, unfortunately, went soft on the gun issue, and it probably cost her.
4: Right. Well, it's it's extremely frustrating, Steve. And, uh, you know, I don't know how to get it across to people that um, that we need to fight the battles that matter. And instead of giving up on them and cowering in the corner or curling up in the fetal position and crying like a baby isn't going to get you very far. The left is uh, radicalized to the point where they don't even care. You're right. They'll just continue to uh, spout those issues. They have the media behind them and an electorate that really doesn't understand uh, what freedom looks like. You know, freedom is now free health care. Freedom right. is now free college. Freedom is now uh, getting my neighbor to fund all kinds of things. That's now called freedom, by the lab right. People are buying it.
0: Well, Scott, thank you for taking time out of yeah, your uh, your, you your trip away, and um, no. I'll keep the see, seat warm you. for you. Uh,
4: yes, thank you, sir. Great great job, and uh, keep it going, and uh, appreciate your help.
0: All right. Thanks, Thanks, Scott. We'll see you next week. All right. That was uh, Scott Lee, our erstwhile host for this week, and now... Producer Mark, are we ready for Peter? We have a very special guest. He's not a public figure. He's not running for office, but he is someone who has um, run campaigns for candidates at the local level, state office, general assembly, statewide, even congressional races, and he's even worked on some presidential campaigns. Peter Foster, I've known for a long time. He is, I said, Peter, I don't know if you were listening earlier. I said, if we could clone you, you know, 2,000 of you, <laughs> and spread you out to all the different districts around the country, um, we'd win more elections. And I don't know if you heard what Scott and I were talking about. I want to jump right into it with you. Okay. You, um, ran, you were the campaign manager for, uh, Stacey Davenport, who won going away in Chesterfield County, which is one of these bellwether counties, it used to be solidly Republican. Now it isn't. Democrats have made huge inroads there and people were saying, oh, this is another sign Republicans can't win. And she won going away countywide. How did y'all do it? Well, Steve, first of all, thanks for having me. Um
5: yeah, you know, I, I there were I think there were a few factors. First of all, I think I mean it is it is definitely true that Chesterfield has the numbers in Chesterfield have definitely become uh closer over the last uh the last several elections. But fundamentally, at the end of the day, Chesterfield is – I, I, there are still more Republicans than Democrats in Chesterfield County. Um, the last couple of years, in the last two or three elections, there were some factors at the top of the ballot that um, that that caused Democrats running for the local offices, some of the general assembly seats, uh, to win races that they hadn't won before. But that, at the end of the day, all else being equal, I think there are still more Republicans than Democrats in Chesterfield County. Um, Another factor is that if you look, there were some real issues in in the Commonwealth's Attorney's race that really resonated with people, and a the perfect example of this um, has to do with um, when the the current incumbent Commonwealth Attorney Scott Miles uh, came out in favor of taking the school resource officers out of the schools and just putting them back onto. Onto patrol with the police department, and when we were able to publicize that, um, that that's something that just really it really affected people, really affected people's views about about the schools be, the, the schools being safe. Um, and it was a, it was an issue. I mean, it, campaigns have to talk about real issues that matter in people's lives. I mean, everybody talks about public safety. Everybody talks about education. But it's, that only matters if you find a way to connect it to, 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 to people's everyday lives. That's an issue that did that. And another factor is as, as the, the year went on with Mr. Miles in office, um, the, the, the distance that he put between himself and the rest of the law enforcement community, the distance he put between himself and Sheriff Carl Leonard, um, and chief Jeff Katz in the police department, um, is it that took its toll? I mean, he basically, you're cutting them out of the decision-making process on what he wanted on, how he wanted to pursue his cases, um, really just set a very bad tone inside the courthouse, you know, you had the fraternal order of police endorsed Stacy, but at the same time, they also took a vote, passed a resolution of no confidence in Scott Miles. That was an extraordinary step. And when people, when people were able to learn about that, I think it really connected with them and it really made them realize the importance of, of this office and of electing a new Commonwealth attorney.
0: Hey, Scott, I mean, um, excuse me, Peter. Um, Yes. We have to take a break. Can you hold on through the break? I want to touch on a couple of things. We went along with Scott, so I don't want to cut, you know, cut you off and give you some equal time. So um, hold on. And we'll be back with um, Peter Foster, campaign manager extraordinaire. This is 92.7 FM, 820 AM, WNT, WNTW, The Answer. We'll be back after this break. Thanks.
1: Where a comedy act and a serious thought collide. The Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW.
0: Yes, you heard right. This is the Lee Brothers, but without the brothers today, maybe a distant cousin. uh, An honorary Lee Brother, Steve Rossi, subbing for the Lee Brothers on 92.7 FM and 820 AM. And we are joined right now with Peter Foster, campaign manager extraordinaire. Um, and we were talking about how he and his candidate, Stacey Davenport, were so successful in Chesterfield County, while other Republicans um, were not having um, a good night Tuesday, not just in Chesterfield, but also in other parts of suburbia throughout Virginia, which Republicans used to dominate and now do not. And um, something you said, Peter, you know, you were talking about um, um, Scott Miles and some of his positions, the Democrat, an open, openly progressive candidate. And this right. is what I, I don't know if you heard what I was talking about with Scott before you joined, but I, I made the point that Republicans seem to be afraid of their positions. Democrats, no matter how outrageous the positions are, aren't afraid of them. They talk about, yeah, we want sanctuary cities. Yeah, we're going to raise your taxes. Yeah, we want to take your guns away. Yeah, we want to take the officers out of out of schools. And that that issue that you mentioned also hurt um, or helped Kirk Cox when his opponent yep, was dead. so. And that was also in Chesterfield. So, why are Republicans afraid? To be bold on their issues, while Democrats are bold on their issues, which are crazy issues. You know that's that's a question that involves uh,
5: involves a lot of mind reading, which I'm <laughs> I'm not qualified to do. Um, but I, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think it's a question of being afraid to take a bold position on this issue or that issue or whatever. I, I just it comes back to what I said. You can take the position, whatever your position is on an issue, take that position. But you, in order to, for it to resonate, it just needs to. You need to talk about it in a way that's relevant to people's to people's lives. I mean, that's something. You know, people differ. Obviously, have different views about about President Trump. But one thing he did when he ran for president that he did very successfully is he communicated. A very clear set of issues to the people who were, who were his base of supporters, and he it, and he talked about them in, in a way that they felt was relevant was relevant to their lives, and that's what successful candidates in both parties do. It's what it's what Stacey did. It's what Kirk Cox, as you mentioned, did, um, and it's what uh, it's what if you look at Republicans who were successful on Tuesday, um, that's that's what they did. And right. so I don't think it's a question of. I don't think it's a question of who's being afraid to be bold. I just think it's a question of having a clear message that actually people find relevant to their lives.
0: But that happens sometimes, though. um, And we have a minute or about 30 seconds left real quick, if we can wrap this up. But that happens when you don't have that core belief and you're just kind of going along and you're kind of going through what you think your conservative base wants to hear. But you're not really committed to it. You know, if you really know the issue and if you're committed to it then you can come up with those practical things that exemplify what
5: well, if you broader don't know issue. if you don't know what you believe you're not going to you're not going to communicate right. it very well that's obviously correct right.
0: I mean, hey peter thanks a million we'll, we'll try to get right. you on next time um, and oh. thanks for your time today this is the lee brothers on 92.7 fm 8:20 a.m. not your father's talk station and uh, this is steve Ro- I don't know. I'm just going to make it up as I go along. Be su- why do they do that? Some are horrible people, horrible human beings. Who cares? No, 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 no,
4: no, 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 no,
0: This is 92.7 FM at 820 AM. This is not your father's talk station. This is in fact WNTW the answer. And this is the Lee brothers, Steve Rossi subbing for the Lee brothers. Consider me a distant cousin. I'm the first ever honorary Lee brother. And I am very honored and privileged to have the microphone in this seat sitting across the glass from producer Mark and, um, I just completed my first ever hour as a talk show host. And, um, I am going to make rookie mistakes. I'm sorry I went long in the last break. Peter Foster, sorry I cut you off there. And, uh, you didn't get, you guys didn't get the full sign off on the hour. I think I got cut off in the middle of my name, but you didn't miss much. So anyway, we're back and we're talking about all sorts of things, mainly about, um, not really reliving the general assembly election, but just talking about, um, different philosophies and what, conservatives need to do to get elected. And we're going to look forward this second hour into what to expect and how we can affect things this coming General Assembly with an entirely different makeup. Um, but first, we have been talking a lot you know, heavy stuff, a lot of political stuff. I want to get in a couple of announcements here that I think uh, you guys will be interested in. First off, this comes from Scott Lee himself. He says, you will not go wrong if you uh, to- check this tune out. The, um, the Tussing School has for the 10th consecutive year um, has um, produced an original song and they are giving it away to schools and choirs who want to perform a song in honor of our heroes in the American armed forces. And this, uh, I haven't heard it yet. I and mean, he texted this to me late in the, in the process. And so I haven't had a chance to look at it, but he swears by it. If Scott swears by it, it's good enough for me. Check it out. It's on the Lee brothers website um, and you can get there by going to wntw theanswer.com dot com, and then click on their name. So check out the station's website first. Check out um, the, the Lee Brothers website. You can, you can, there's the link on the page, and you can see this video. The music's supposed to be absolutely phenomenal, and um, the Tussing School will make this available, the sheet music and everything, to any school or choir that wants to um, um, sing perform this song themselves in honor of our armed forces. So. That's a plug for the Lee Brothers website. There's all sorts of great stuff there, commentary, videos, all sorts of things. And leading the, leading the uh, top of it right now is this video of this um, very special song recorded by the Tussing School. So that is one. And then um, I want to um, also mention, if by any chance, and I know it's a very slim one, but if by any chance you have, uh, if I have piqued your interest in anything, you can follow me on Facebook. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Um, at least via social media. Um, that's uh, Facebook. And then I met Steven with the pH, Stephen Jude, my middle name, Rossi. That's how you find me on Facebook, Stephen Jude Rossi. Please follow me or friend me even. And, uh, hopefully we can make a connection on Facebook. Um, join the, join the crowd of people who, um, are, are following me and maybe I'll offer an opinion you'll agree with every now and then. So that's that. And, um, Look, um, going forward in this second hour, I'm really excited. We've, I thought we had, had two good guests. Hope you guys enjoyed Peter Foster and Scott Lee. <clears throat> but we're also going to have Chris Horner coming up um, around 515. He is um, he's an attorney extraordinaire. He um, has made a career out of fighting big government regulation and government opaqueness and fighting for transparency and what government uh, does. And he's also um, had a. Um, a scrap or two on uh, the talk show airs with um, the climate change alarmists. And um, we're going to talk to um, uh, Chris about what he's been involved in recently. And I've had a little help and help, a little hand in helping him. And so um, I think you'll find that interesting. Um, something we did the last General Assembly might not happen this General Assembly with the new makeup, but we'll, we'll get his opinions and all that. And then later we're going to have um, Matt Batzel from the American Majority. And that's a terrific group. And um, they train candidates and they train citizen lobbyists. And that's going to be very important uh, coming over the next two years as to how conservatives or constitutionalists, limited government people, how we can get um, something done or maybe even at least negate some of the liberal agenda or maybe even find some common ground and get some things done at the General Assembly the next two years. So those are some plugs and that's what's to look forward to. And real quick, I promised some General Assembly stories. I've I've been at it since 06, and I lobby for the Family Foundation of Virginia. I think probably a lot of you guys are familiar with the Family Foundation. It's a phenomenal organization. They've been around for decades now, and they truly fight for constitutional principles and traditional family values. And my first session ever, I blew it. I should have written um, a book on impressions of a first-year lobbyist. Um, It was really an amazing situation and probably the crown jewel of it. If you want to call that was, um, I was in front of the, um, Senate education and health committee, a bill had passed out of the house. It was a, like a parental notification bill for, um, minors who were going to, uh, seek, uh, counseling help at community, um, where they called community boards, community service boards and, um, other places. And, um, it passed the House, and it came to the Senate, which was Republican-dominated, but the Ed and Health Committee had two rhinos on it, and they voted with the uh, seven Dems, and they defeated all these good conservative bills coming out of the House. And um, I got up there, and this is, you know, something that you have to keep in mind. A lot of things are just happenstance. It's crazy. I mentioned earlier, it's just a fast-paced thing. You have six or eight weeks to deal with thousands of bills. Early in session, um, one of our board members came across an old bill that was similar to this bill that we were supporting. And he gave it to my boss who gave it to me. And I kind of kept it in my back pocket. It had passed the Senate 40 to nothing. And um, so when this other bill comes to the Senate, I'm I'm in the committee. And there was this crotchety old liberal Republican senator named Russ Potts. You might remember him. He ran for governor as an independent, only got 2% of the vote. Scott and Richard nicknamed him 2% Potts. And um, Potts just hated the Family Foundation. And he, when I got up there to testify in favor of the bill, he just let me have it. It was, a, um, ostensibly, it was a family life education bill. And he just went off on me. When does the Family Foundation ever care about family life education? Blah, 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 blah. And, and everyone went Everyone on the committee, all the Democrats jumped in, went completely out of order. Maybe they knew they were taking advantage of a rookie like producer Mark's taking advantage of me now as a rookie broadcaster. But they were they they took advantage of me and they went out of order because when you ask a question from a committee, the committee person has to go through the chairman, ask the chairman's permission. So Potts is rifling questions at me. He's the chairman, but he has to you know, at least give a break and pause. And he's rifling questions at me. Dick sassall's rifling. Janet Howe's rifling questions. At me. They're all going after me all at once. The the poor patron of the bill, his bill was like getting hijacked by these people. The topic wasn't even about his bill anymore. He was having a sideshow with some of the other senators on the panel. He went up to the dais and was talking to them about the bill. So he had concurrent testimonies going on. It was chaos. I had that bill that our board member had given my boss. At the beginning of session, I remembered I had it in my bag. I said, Mr. Chairman, let me go to my bag, I got uh, to my suitcase. I want to get something for you real quick. I went back. I held this bill up. I said, this bill was from, like, 2001. It was patroned by then-State Senator Randy Forbes. Now he's a former congressman. And all 40 of you guys in the Senate voted for it. And they completely shut up. They were completely silent. And then Russ Potts finally said, well, then... I must be a member of the Family Foundation. And then Saslaw chimed in, I didn't send in my dues this year. So anyway, a Times-Dispatch reporter was in the committee hearing and at that point decided to contact uh, our president and uh, did a story on why Potts, you know, why he had gone off his rocker. So it was quite an episode. We are up against a break. We're going to return after this with Chris Horner. You're going to enjoy this interview. We are 92.7 FM, 820 AM not your father's talk show station, at least not your um, typical talk show radio station. And this is Steve Rossi subbing for the Lee brothers on WNTW.
1: No opinion, no slant, just the facts. Yeah, right. The Lee brothers on 820
0: WNTW. I heard
3: one about a fellow who went to the KGB to report that he lost his parrot. The KGB asked him why he was bothering them. Why didn't he just report it to the local police? Well he answered, I just want you to know that I don't agree with a thing what Parrot has
0: to say. Okay, welcome back to 92.7 FM at 820 AM WNTW. Not your father's talk station. And this is Steve Rossi subbing in for Scott and Richard Lee, and we are very honored to have mr chris horner on the other side of the phone and uh chris i gave a bit of your background i just want to add that uh you are a board member of uh government account government accountability and oversight pc a nonprofit public institute law firm and you guys do a great job bringing transparency to federal state and local governments as well as defending people's uh constitutional and property rights and civil rights and we're very pleased to have you on the phone and um Uh, talk about a couple of things and, uh, welcome to the station. Thanks, Steve. Hey, um, you and I worked on something and uh, we've been talking about the general assembly. Um, and you know, now we have an entirely different ball game and, um, a lot of people are wondering what the Democrats are going to do. We were talking with my previous guests about how the Democrats really aren't the left in general. They're not afraid to talk about what they want to do. And yet somehow conservatives or so-called conservatives are afraid. The Democrats, they they boldly cl- claim and you like us, we're going to do the Green New Deal and we're going to do this and we're going to take your guns away. We're going to do all this stuff. Um, they, there's something that they were doing in secret and uh, you and I worked on this project. And um, now, do you want to elaborate and tell people what I'm um, talking about and, uh, and what you think they might do in Virginia now that they're emboldened and they've, Won all these seats and just let people know what they might be up against coming up in the next two-year budget.
3: Uh, Yeah, and let me say it was a pleasure to watch you work and work with you up there. It was um, it was a positive experience. The legislature that is outgoing was very responsive to something that you and I both agreed was a crisis, and yet it was the media are being reckless in their ignorance of it because the parties are. And the issues are those the media sympathize with, and that is Michael Bloomberg and global warming. Um, as you know, Michael Bloomberg has uh, had Virginia in his sights for quite some time. He he gave two million dollars to get our attorney general elected and reelected. That is, and he has a great friend in Maryland's attorney general, and he only gave something like the high thirties, forty thousand dollars. This is a real commitment on guns, his guns agenda, his climate agenda, everything Bloomberg. He's got Virginia in mind. So when Michael Bloomberg put out this request for proposals a couple of years ago to privately hire and then place attorneys in state AG's offices with all of the statutory powers of our attorney general, Mark Herring left at it and as you know and we showed the members in writing the virginia attorney general asked for mr bloomberg's resources through this group he created for this purpose saying they would use them quote to advance the agenda represented by your group now this is this is outrageous of course and people did pay attention which was nice and and a broad spectrum of of interest got up on their hind legs because they realized there's no reason that, let's just say guns, isn't next, whatever it is. This is a privately hired prosecutor by a major, maybe the party's biggest donor, placed in attorney's general's offices. And we're talking about fairly radical AG's offices, and Virginia jumped at the opportunity. So this was to push, as they said, Mr. Bloomberg's agenda and... The General Assembly, although this was – and and you you learned this very well – this was already not legal in Virginia. You were to be paid out of the treasury if you were doing the AG's work and so on with very few exceptions, and this wasn't one of them. And there's a special counsel policy, and and he's supposed to put in writing why he can't do it and all sorts of things that the AG didn't do or follow. But be that as it may, the legislature still had to pass a restriction in this funding bill that now will be up again come the new year saying, no, you can't do this. Law enforcement is not for rent in Virginia. And they reaffirmed what the law is. But the problem was the attorney general was, well, I'm the attorney general. Right. And that's going on various states, but it was it was particularly egregious here. And by the way, Virginia, congratulations, because Virginia is the only state that so stood up for its rights. Now, obviously, New York wasn't going to. Um, Where else is he doing this? Massachusetts. Maryland has three of these. But it's it's for all intents and purposes, a one ideology state. Virginia is the only legislature that said, no, not here. So now, folks, we have to fight this fight again.
0: Right. And uh, just so the people know, we we worked and got a budget amendment in um, that was a word. It was a language amendment, which um, didn't have anything to do with money, per se. But it was a language amendment prohibiting sorts of behavior and and money and expenditures and the acceptance of outside money by the attorney general to hire these um, extra Bloomberg attorneys. And um, in Virginia, the budget is the supreme law of the land. So if you get a language amendment in there, you can bypass the regular legislative process. And um, by doing that, it is the law of the land for the time the budget is in effect this was the midterm correction of the two year budget. So it is in effect just to the end of this fiscal year. And then there's a new two year budget and we have to fight this all over again. And Chris, I hate to do this to you. I know you have to leave, but could you hang for one more segment? Sure. Right. Okay. Cause sure. we're going to be up against a break in a few seconds. So I don't want to cut you off. i being a rookie at this. I've kind of mismanaged some time, but um, I, I ask people's pardon for that. We're going to come back. Producer Mark. Is that all right? Take a break now and come back in a couple seconds. So you're listening to the Lee Brothers on 92.7 FM and 820 AM, and we'll be back after this break.
1: Richmond's conservative compass, the Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW.
0: Okay, welcome back to the Lee Brothers, 92.7 FM and 820 AM. Not your father's talk station, and this is. WNTW, Steve Rossi subbing for the Lee brothers today. And we are really, I'm really honored and pleased that uh, Chris Horner is with us for the next couple minutes. Um, Held him over from the previous break. Uh, Forgive my rookie mistakes for going long on some of these breaks. But Chris, um, we have about four minutes till 530 when we have a hard break and you have to go anyway. But thank you for joining us. And my question is, um, what... Absent being able to get this in and, I, you know, actually, I don't think it's impossible to get this in the budget, but let's just say it won't. The odds are probably against us. But if we can get it in the budget again, what um, what can we do outside of that? I guess there's legal action. And also, for those who don't know, Chris is just phenomenal. He's in court all over the place fighting for transparency, getting the government to open up their records, which is how we know about Herring, because Chris filed a FOIA case in uh, Virginia court to uh, get the AG's office to open up and, um, but give us a prognostication or or at least some suggestions. What can we do to fight, uh, this particular thing and things in general, giving this, um, new legislature that we have.
3: Okay. So this was already the law of the land. You were not permitted to do this. And there were all sorts of steps that the AG should have undertaken if he thought he could have done it. Okay. So this was a real, this was a, this was a underhanded move. That's the best I can say about it. Um, and I think folks just got caught up in the excitement of Bloomberg. You like me, you really like me. And uh, although, again, he'd received $2 million at mm-hmm. the guy's largesse, um, to put in writing that we will advance the agenda represented by your group is just jaw-dropping, right? So I just think it was this irrational exuberance about participating in what uh, Bloomberg wanted AGs to do. With that said, the only remedy is political. It was already against the law. And a delegate, Dave Laroque, wrote, uh, I understand, the attorney general, and said, so this appears to be already against the law. Can you please explain how in the world you told Don Bloomberg you were going to do this? And the AG wrote back, well, the legislature has spoken, so we don't have to answer this. Well, that expires, but it reminds us the attorney general is, from my perspective, ignoring the law. What do you do about that when the chief law enforcement officer ignores the law? Well, Mr. Bloomberg is not giving up, and they are still trying to place these AGs in offices, they special assistant AGs, private prosecutors, to advance a donor's agenda, but they're no longer announcing it when they're placed. So we just need to watch the AG. We're in court now, still in Richmond, trying to get records that they say don't exist, but reasons that we've argued it, that's just not plausible. I mean, the attorney general doesn't say that we can do this, that it's legal, that it's ethical, and we'll advance the agenda represented by your group without looking it up and writing it down, right? I mean, this is the AG's office. But their argument is, no, we you know, we just said we could do it around the water cooler, and, and then we told the Bloomberg group we could. Again, Virginians should not believe that that is possibly how this AG's, its AG's office works. Chris? So, You're going to have to, prep anyway, you're going to have to talk to the legislature, Steve, and then tell your listeners to keep in touch with their legislature because they've got to prohibit this again because clearly the existing law
0: isn't enough. We're up against it, as they say. I'm already getting radio hosts speak. We're up against it. Chris, thanks a lot. Everyone, check out Government Accountability and Oversight PC. Look and learn what they're doing. They're a great public interest law firm. And we'll be back after this. Chris, thanks a million. We'll talk soon. You're listening to 92.7 FM and 820 AM.
1: In the mold of Madison, Jefferson, and Henry, real Virginians, the Lee Brothers on 820 WNTW.
0: Welcome back to the Lee Brothers on 92.7 FM and 820 AM. WNTW, not your father's talk station. And we are, uh, this is Steve Rossi subbing for Scott and Richard Lee and wishes for uh, safe travels to Scott and continued recovery for Richard. We hope to hear him back behind the microphone before too long. And um, just consider me a distant cousin, the first ever honorary Lee brother. So we're kind of keeping it in the family. We are pleased to welcome next Matt Batesel from American Majority, which is a terrific group. If you're not familiar with these guys, you need to get familiar with them. I attended um, um, a group a couple well back in the summer, I think it was, and uh, Ned Ryan, who was the founder of it, gave a presentation on how to effectively lobby as a citizen. And um, I knew I had to have someone from this organization on when Scott offered me the chance to uh, guest host and um so matt Batesel, who's the executive director of american majority is um joining us now and matt is uh, has been had all sorts of success in wisconsin um he's he organized people to stand up to the left when they were protesting and trying to take down governor scott walker and was very effective they have trained candidates they've trained citizen lobbyists they've done all sorts of stuff very effectively and matt is also um an adjunct professor at the university of chicago uh, where he teaches the Harris School of Public Policy, and um, teaches a course there on how to win elections, which is something the Republican Party of Virginia should hire him immediately to do and teach. Matt, welcome to the show. Welcome to Virginia Radio.
2: Thanks for having me on, Steve.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, you're in Wisconsin. American Majority though is you know pretty much around the country. They had a presence in Virginia in this past election, um, as you as you know. <laughs> And they did a lot of great work. A lot there's a big coalition. A lot of other groups, conservative groups, came together and tried to make a difference. Um, of course, the left with its tens of millions, with uh, Steyer's and Soros and the rest of them, Bloomberg, they um, pretty much swamped uh, the conservative message out. But we don't really want to recampaign. The camp- campaign it's over. What can we do? Do you think um, going forward with the legislature that is in a total control of the left for the first time in 26 years, um, governor, Lieutenant governor, attorney general, house, Senate, what, what can be done to block bad policy or maybe even get some good policy through what, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I think it starts with putting together a game plan right now and getting people that are fired up and that are frustrated with what happened in the election.
4: Um
2: but an issue that they're going to try to ram through, we need to be prepared. We need to put together a plan of action now to be able to prevent those things. So what, what am I talking about with the plan? Well, you need to think through, you know, how do we get people activated to be able to call their legislator, to be able to go to the Capitol for a rally or a protest or a meeting, or a hearing and flood the comments on social media, flood in uh, phone calls, emails, so that anytime any your local legislator who is supposed to represent you, regardless of what party that they were uh, running on and elected as, they're supposed to represent you, and so they should listen to you, the voters, the people, their constituents, and so you have to put together a plan that's going to get as many people to contact them, to show up to meetings, to show up to hearings, and that you know it really just starts with getting organized and, and thinking through what do we think is most likely to come, how are we going to get our neighbors, our friends, people we know to, to speak out and whether it be writing letters to the editor or going to meetings, sending phone calls, emails, and, and things like that, it starts with putting together that plan.
0: When you say you, we need a plan, are you referring to, you know, the parties or in this case, the Republican party or activists or co a coalition of conservative liberty of minded groups or, and, 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 if so, how does that come about? How do you get a bunch of groups together and uh, execute a plan like that? And, how do you get someone who leads out of all those many different groups who often have their own agendas? And they come under the general umbrella of conservatism or, um, you know, constitutionalists, but, you know, all have their own specific things, you know, whether it's Second Amendment or whether it's low taxes or how does that all how do you get all that together?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big question and also a very important question. It starts. Uh, what I'm describing when I say we, it starts with I'd say an activist-driven plan is going to be the best plan, the be- most authentic. It's not going to look like something that's you know funded by the billionaires you were describing that spent all this money in the elections. But it, it's just everyday citizens standing up and saying, "No, we don't want this. We want you to listen to us. We're telling you to represent us and do these things." And so there should be you know things that we want request are positive for legislation we'd like to see. But I, I think it starts it starts from the activist level. But part of that is, yeah, if you are um, bracing for some gun control me- measure that is, you know, being considered. Or and, and again, I would start with looking at what was introduced last time into the legislature by the radicals that have taken control now, and what what do we expect is going to come? And be prepared for things that are even worse than that. But start at that 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 level. Contact, yeah, if there's a if there's a great gun group, and you would know better than I specifically for Virginia, but contact the local gun group or the statewide group and the NRA and talk to them, other groups that you know, and you trust and say, Hey, I want to do something. I've, I've talked to my friends. Uh, I want to get people together. How can we best help? And so work with those groups. I'd say also work with your local legislatures, legislator who maybe, um, maybe you have a Senator, uh, or a delegate house delegate. That's a different party. So, you know, work with people that are elected officials in your area that may have similar views, talk to them, coordinate but we need to have as many people as possible communicating working together and and putting together an an action plan and if others aren't going to do it i think activists have to step forward and lead and really in the absence of a party in the absence of a group just take the bull by the horns and and get stuff done
0: and i'll say this you know of the issues obviously are partisan there's a big ideological divide but unlike um washington you know the virginia legislature they it's very it's very genial place and um the other side, they'll let you in their offices. You will get your chance. For most of them, there's a couple that are, you know have an attitude problem, but they will let you in your offices. And as um, uh, there, there are opportunities to approach um, members, whether you know they're the opposite party, whether they represent your particular district, or maybe they're just a key member of a committee that's um, going to consider a certain bill. So, you know, for our listeners, I would take Matt's advice to heart. Don't feel like you're going to be shut out. They will listen. And you can. I remember Jim DeMint talking about this once um, when he left the Senate to head up Heritage. And he was saying, I can tell you, members of both parties feel the heat. And, and that brings me to my next question. You know, there's a lot of talk, a lot of doomsday talk about. They're serious about what they say. They've campaigned on these things. They're going to institute this, this radical agenda. What do you, what's your experience been in Wisconsin and in other states Will they or will they back off? Was that just meat for their base? Will they temper things back in order to stay in power and not totally alienate themselves uh, from the general public? Or will they go full bore and um, try to ram everything through?
2: They're going to go full bore. And you have to be prepared for that. In Wisconsin, we've seen, I mean, the power of the union specifically and what they did to try to stop legislation from going forward. And we actually organized American Geordie the I Stand With Walker rally back in the heyday of the collective bargaining fight that took place back in 2011. So we put together a rally of over 10,000 patriots coming together to stand for common sense reform of our uh, outdated union collective bargaining laws for the public sector union specifically then. And it's when people get together, get organized and speak out, the legislators, again, regardless of the party, they pay attention to that. And I I would go back to, to this. I mean, the most powerful thing that one individual can do is, you know, get together with other, other people, but it's, it's to think about why you are impacted, how you are impacted. You know, why do you believe uh, in the sanctity of life? Or why are you for the second amendment? Or why are you, you know, for this, this common sense um, reform or lower taxes, et cetera, and be able to tell a story about that and how a change to that, you know, a radical policy being rammed through is going to hurt you. It's going to hurt, tell, tell, you know, put together a story of how it's going to hurt your business, how it's going to hurt your family, how it's going to hurt, you know, your community and being able to tell stories like that through letters to the editor, through social media, through face-to-face meeting with legislators, that is what's going to win hearts and minds and stop the bad from coming. But again, it, it, it takes an effort of people working together, putting a plan together, putting that in place so that you can have as many people as possible using that human interaction and that personal those personal stories to tell a larger story of why we should not go down this path. And right. you got to mobilize as many people as possible and get, right. get them on that on board.
0: Well, you know, we had an example of that in the aftermath of the uh, famous or infamous Kathy Tran yeah, Infanticide bill, um, where immediately within about a week, we, a lot of the pro-life groups organized a rally on the Capitol steps that drew about you know, 700 people or so. And then with a little more time to organize after the session was over, actually, it was the one day, um, what they call the veto session in April, we had a march for life. 7,500 people showed up, and every Republican, and even the ones who were kind of afraid to talk about that issue, every Republican from the House and Senate came out to the portico at the top of the Capitol steps and acknowledged the people before they, you know, as they were gathered and we were hearing speeches and then before we actually went out on the walk. So it does happen, you know, and it can happen and it can happen on other issues too. But, um, hey, Matt, real quick, um, I think we still have a couple minutes, but before I forget, I want you to um, mention your website where people can get more information because you guys do phenomenal work. You train people and um, we need more, more people uh, like uh, your group there and, and with the good work you do. So feel free to give a plug as to where people can learn more about American Majority.
2: Yeah. And I would say as part of pushing back against these things and putting that plan together, Bring in American majority to do a training, and so by by training I mean it's getting you know a community a group of of citizens from a community together you know twenty five thirty people to hear how they can put together a story or how they can best effectively communicate with their legislators and and get them on all the same page and be able to have you know more effective um, persuasive conversations essentially through that and so our, our website, the best way to get a hold of us would be through our website, which is Americanmajority.org. So A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N-M-A-J-O-R-I-T-Y dot O-R-G. Americanmajority.org is the, the way to find out about the training that we offer. If you're thinking of running for office, we've got training on that. But, you know, we call this kind of activist training where it's citizen legislative efforts or lobbying efforts. Uh, it's really grassroots organizing. That's great. And we need to get organized on that.
0: Well, I really appreciate everything you guys do, everything you do in particular, everything that Ned does. Please uh, give my best to uh, Liz and Josh, your Virginia team. They were terrific this I past will. session or this past uh, campaign season. And we look to see we look forward to American majority being more active in Virginia and bringing back uh, more common sense uh, government than we're going to see over the next two years. But thanks for everything, Matt. It was a real pleasure speaking with you and hope to have you back again.
2: Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome.
0: You too. Thanks. Bye. All right, folks, we have to head out for another break. You're listening to 92.7 FM, 820 AM. This is the Lee Brothers Show with Steve Rossi, your honorary Lee Brothers subbing today, trying to do the work of two men. It's been very difficult, but thanks to people like Matt, Chris, Peter, and Scott himself, I've gotten through almost all of it. Fifteen minutes left on the other side of this break, and uh, help me bring it home, folks. Talk Talk to you after the break.
1: Richmond, the home of Patrick Henry, Richard Henry Lee, and the Lee Brothers, 820 WNTW.
0: All right, welcome back to the Lee Brothers Show on 92.7 FM at 820 AM. This is WNTW, The Answer. And, uh, This is not your father's talk station. This hasn't even been the Lee Brothers station today. It's been Steve Rossi's station, at least the last two hours. And I really appreciate the uh, opportunity Scott and Richard have given me and uh, producer Mark and uh, station manager Bill, the big boss here. Appreciate their guidance and help so far. And i have able to stumble my way through the first hour and 49 minutes. And with the help of some great guests, I hope you guys have enjoyed them all. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I came out of nowhere, but I appreciate it. Listen, real quick, before we go any further, um, if you didn't hear this announcement at the beginning, I want to remind everyone about Dylan's Do-Over. It's a trunk or treat for kids of all abilities. Uh, it's this Saturday from 1 to 2.30. It's an inclusive, accessible, all-inclusive event. It's at uh Kara Therapy, 4808 Market Square Lane in Midlothian. And if... um you didn't get a chance to trick or treat? You can go to this. This is um, this is a, an event for all the children that were sick or had other obstacles on Halloween and need a do-over. So feel free to check that out, and um, they'll be collecting funds for an organization called Better Together, um, Little Hands Big Heart. So hope you guys can check that out. Anyone with kids who didn't get a real chance at uh, Halloween for whatever reason. All right, that is that's that. Hope you you know, I get there. And then, um, so we're at five, eight, 10 minutes here to wrap up. <clears throat> and I promised you guys a couple stories. I told you one about Russ Potts. I've been doing lobbying at the general assembly for, um, since Oh six, I've lasted through Kane, McDonald, McAuliffe, and unfortunately part of Northam. Um, but you know, as, as Matt was just saying, you know, citizen activism and lobbying and, um, Uh, talking to your legislators, even if you disagree with them, it's very important to stay in touch with them. You can build relationships and what I've learned in all these years is that the General Assembly is about relationships and you can have good relationships with people across the aisle and I had a a really good relationship with a certain Democrat from Northern Virginia and we worked together he had a great transparency bill Um, and at the Family Foundation we were very interested in this uh, transparency bill because we won't get into the details but Believe it or not, there was a pro-life aspect to it um, concerning the Department of Health and, and whatnot. And um, they were um, using the FOIA law to obstruct turning over documents and things like that. or were just making it really hard for us to get documents. And and so coincidentally, it was this Democrat who from northern Virginia who had this bill that would have solved a lot of the things that we were up against. And um, so we supported the bill and we teamed up with him and 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 he was very grateful for the support. And so the bill went to the su- a subcommittee. It was a special FOIA subcommittee um, as part of the General Laws Committee. And um, uh, he was all confident. He goes, look, I'll get my guys, you get your guys. We should get this bill through. I said, you got a deal. So I talked to the five or six Republicans on the committee. Got generally a positive feedback from it. And so the bill came up and uh, he presented the bill. We had witnesses in favor of it. I don't think anyone was against it. We may have had one or two that was against it for whatever reason. And, um came time for the vote. There wasn't even a motion, not even a motion. So the thing died for lack of motion. It was tabled. And uh, he, this delegate was livid at his people because he you know, could at least get a motion to have the vote. And I was livid at our guys because I had heard one thing in private and obviously another action in public. So that was really disappointing. So he vowed to bring it back the next year, which he did. Now, this is the tip, the legit, the lobbying tip I'm going to give every- everyone. Always be attentive. Always pick up something that you notice about a legislator and file it away. In fact, um, at a, one group I lobbied with, we used to always have to make a written summary of every meeting we ever had with a with a legislator, even if it was for 10 seconds in the hallway, because we, we would notice things and we would file these things away. We would kind of Come up with a dossier on, on legislators and learn about them, what makes them tick, how, how best to approach them, what they responded to best in our meetings with them. Well, the next year, it was McAuliffe's first year as governor. So this delegate brought the bill back and I said, look, I've learned something in this process. Leave it to me. I'm going to get this passed. I went to the chairman of the full committee. And um Producer Mark's told me I got a minute, so we're probably gonna have to break this up. But you're going to want to listen to it at the other on the other side of this break. Went to the chairman of the full committee. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, but. um, But prior to that, I had noticed this guy once um, there was a committee room and the room was full. And so there was an overflow room and just a few of us were in there. And this 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 member of the legislature was in there. And he was talking to this girl who was a college student. She was an intern. And he was asking her how he enjoyed her, how she was enjoying her session and what she wanted to do after she graduated college. And she said she wanted to get into public policy, maybe run for office one day. And this legislator made a comment that struck me, and I couldn't help but overhearing it. And I listened to it, and I filed it away. And he said, well, if you ever run for office, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, if you ever run for office, keep a dossier on everyone that you think might run against you. Collect all the newspaper articles, collect anything written about them and file it away and keep a file on everyone who may run against you. Because if they run against you, you'll have some things to, you'll know about them. You'll be able to study them. And I thought, this guy's a bit paranoid. This is interesting. So I filed that away. Sure enough, this bill comes back and I tell people, and I, and I told the, the, the patron of the bill, I'm going to take care of this. I went to the chairman of the full committee and I said, Mr. Chairman, knowing that he's a little bit paranoid, this bill's a great bill. It's a transparency bill. We should all be for open government. And your sub, your FOIA subcommittee killed this. It didn't even get a motion last time. And um, with this McAuliffe gang in charge now, they're Clintonites. And we all know how devious the Clintons are. And we're going to need to know every single thing that goes on in the executive branch. You've got to make sure this gets passed. And we're up against a break, and I'm going to come back with the exciting conclusion to this story right after this break. You're listening to 92.7 FM and 820 AM, WNTW. And we'll be back after this break. You're listening to the Lee Brothers. Steve Rossi subbing for the Lee Brothers.
1: The Lee Brothers, where family feuds are made public. 820 WNTW.
0: So appropriate, producer Mark. That was a great soundbite because this has to do with... Uh, airing some um, some secrets, not necessarily um, dirty secrets or dirty laundry, but this is Steve Rossi subbing for Scott and Richard Lee. You're listening to 92.7 FM at 820 AM, not your father's radio station. And as we left, I was telling you about how we got a bill through that had miserably failed the year before just by knowing something about a legislator. And I played on his fears, knowing that he was kind of paranoid about certain things and in a good way, not that the guy's uh, in foil wearing type of guy, Um, with the antennas and all that and have all sorts of conspiracy theories. No, he's a really good guy, but I knew he had this one concern and I played on it and he looked at the bill and I said, look, McAuliffe is a Clinton acolyte. You know how secretive these people are. You know how devious they are, how they try to get things done behind closed doors. We need all the open government we can get. He looked at the bill and said, you're right. I'll take care of it. And guess what? This bill flew, flew through the same subcommittee Unanimously through the full committee, unanimously through the House of Delegates, unanimously through the Senate subcommittee, full committee, and Senate floor, unanimously signed. Not only signing the law, McAuliffe actually amended the bill to bring even more open government to other aspects of uh, the actions of the courts and to the legislature. Sent it back; they approved that, and we got an even better bill than we started with. So there's two lessons here. Number one, relationships, no matter how different you think you are from, you know, in philosophy with your senator or delegate, it can be done. And number two, learning about the players, learning what makes them tick, learning what their concerns are. And you can actually talk common sense to some of these guys. We know on the big issues we're going to have severe differences. But, you know, there's always a chance to um, tone down some of those bills, get the best that we can out of them. And then for other bills where we can make incremental progress. And don't forget, we didn't get where we got all at one time. We got here incrementally. So our only way back is incrementally. So that is it. I appreciate you guys listening in. Thanks again to Scott and Richard for the opportunity and the privilege of hosting their show. And I hope you guys tune in next Friday for the Lee Brothers when Scott will be back and hopefully Richard will be back. And you are listening to 92.7 FM, 820 AM. Not your father's talks station, WNTW. Have a good one. Tune in next week. Thanks, everyone.
4: And I meant you, my dear Watson. People call me Spock for a reason.
1: Ah!
5: Patriotism swells in the heart of the American bear. You judging me, bruh? My friends,
3: we did it. We weren't just marking time. We made a difference. We made the city stronger. We made the city freer. And we left her in good hands.